Welcome to another edition of the Power Connector Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dickow, where I sit and have an opportunity to learn from people that I admire in business, have what I refer to as a curiosity conversation, trying to understand how they build relationships, how they've got to be in the position that they're in today. And joining me today is somebody that I believe is an excellent relationship developer. It's the nature of their business, core to what they do on a day-to-day basis. It's in the insurance industry. And with me today is Jack Miller, who is the market president of Highland, which is an 85-year-old insurance company based in Ohio and servicing clients all over the country. And so relationship development is the most important part of their business. Every business has to have insurance and it has to have a person that they can rely on. And so that's an important part of what Jack does on a day-to-day basis. And I'd like to introduce you to Jack Miller this morning. Jack, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you. You said admire people in business. That's a strong word for me, but I I certainly appreciate and appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, so anybody that's in a leadership role, there's something that they've done in their career to put them in that position. And obviously management, culture, training people, helping to lead them into the best that they can become Mm -hmm. is something that I admire. And that's not an easy talent. And it's something that you have to develop over the course of your career. And I'm just curious how you did it, how you got to be in the position you're, t- you're in today. But I'd like to start our conversation as I do with all of mine and trying to understand, you know, what's new and exciting for you that you're working on today. Yeah, I think, um, you know, insurance is certainly not the sexiest industry in the world. So I think um, when you talk about what's new or exciting out there, we probably have a reputation in our industry for being a little old and stodgy and slow to innovate and slow to move. Um, you know, what I, what I find exciting though, about where I'm at right now and where Highland's at as an organization, uh, like you said, 85 year old family owned privately held company. And so, um, that is increasingly rare in our business, uh, in insurance today, um, many, what I'll call just that middle market, uh, upper middle market brokerages have been acquired by private equity or, um, have gone public or been bought by the publicly traded firms. And so, uh, what you have are what, you know, you call the big guys out there and then a lot of mom and pop shops. And so that, you know, that sweet spot, middle market brokerage serving middle market companies um, with family values that's privately held, not answering to investors or shareholders is increasingly rare. That's, that's um, I think, a big draw for uh, clients out there and for employees, people that want to work for us as well. Um, we just moved into the fourth generation of leadership at Highland and uh, our priority right now is growth. And we are really, um, you know, making uh, every decision that we're making centers around how do we continue to grow organically? Um, You know, the company has uh, committed to that, but will not uh, pay the multiples for acquiring business like some of our competitors will, who are again, publicly traded or, or private equity backed. And so, um, we put an emphasis on organic growth and to your point earlier about a lot of that, uh, in insurance in general, but particularly when, uh, that's at, uh, at the forefront of every decision, it comes from relationships and it comes from people that know they can rely on you. They know that, um, they can trust you because at the end of the day, insurance is, is just, a uh, a promise that's made. And so who's backing up that promise is important. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, we're, we're just in that growth mode now, which is fun, right? So for me, trying to build um, my team. I've been in this role for about a year and a half now, uh, overseeing our Detroit and Ann Arbor offices. 
So trying to find the right talent internally to go build my team, whether that's producers, whether that's service team members, um, that's fun, right? Trying to, I'm, I'm a sports guy. And so putting together your team that you're going to try to lead um, into the future and, and down a road of hopefully a lot of success together. Um, that's what's fun and new for me right now. Yeah. How are you able to source talent? Are there a lot of younger people that grow up and think, I want to be <laughs> no. in risk mitigation. <laughs> no. I want to be in risk management. No, I, I don't be... think anyone does. Yeah. So are you able, are you, you're recruiting people that you, you find different uh, pockets of talent and different, uh, with different backgrounds? I mean, yeah. what for you is the way that you source talent? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag. I'd say to, um, like you, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, I certainly didn't. And I don't think the vast majority of insurance professionals grew up saying, boy, I can't wait to get into that. It's something that there's a joke in the industry you just kind of fall into. And uh, most people are glad they did because it's a terrific industry. You just don't think about it a whole lot because when you think about insurance, I mean, when I think about my home and auto insurance, I, you know, I want the lowest rate and I want it to cover me if something goes wrong and I don't want to think about it. But it is a great industry. And so you do find very talented people in it. Um, how do you go about sourcing that? I, yeah, like I said, it's a mixed bag. I mean, you... Uh, the, the point I made about what Highland does that's different in our culture and our model and putting employees first and putting clients first over returns for the shareholders or investors, that resonates. And, and particularly as uh, companies like Highland have become increasingly rare because they've been bought up, um, people want that. People who have been in the industry for a while, they feel that. They know the pressures that come, not the pressures, but the the changes that come when you're answering to Wall Street versus answering to the family that is doing well and they're interested in taking care of their clients and their employees. And that culture is different. People want to be a part of that. And so if you're out there spreading the word about that and letting people know that that's what you have to offer and that's what your firm is offering that's different, um, you know, that resonates and people, people enjoy that. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big way to do it is just kind of selling who we are and what we do and my vision for these offices and, and, uh, you know, the family and the executive's vision for what they want Highland to be as a whole. Uh, it's a unique, fun place. And, uh, and like I said, in today's day and age, it's it's very rare uh, to have that type of culture. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, let's talk about culture for a minute. Your your background is in sports and you grew up, uh, I'm a, I call myself a recovering athlete as well. <laughs> I got some back uh, aches and some knee oh, pain yeah. every now and then yeah. that remind me of that. Um, so the background in sports, how did that help you transition into the leadership role that you're in today? Yeah, I mean, I I say it's the only reason, not maybe the only reason, but certainly the number one reason, um, you know, that I'm in a leadership role at a fairly young age. I mean, I just turned 30 the other day, so, uh, you know, running. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, running um, multiple offices that comprise, you know, 150 people and and quite a bit of revenue um, at a young age is um, something that sports really did prepare me for. You know, playing football at the University of Michigan, playing center on the offensive line, which is a position that, um, you know, second to the quarterback, you got to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, when you're sports is such a microcosm for life about different types of people, different types of personalities, but all striving for one common goal and trying to make sure that people of different skill sets and different backgrounds and different ways of thinking, um, can, can all bond together for one common cause is something that is just inherent to sports. And it's something that I saw, as a little kid playing sports all the way to, you know, um, you know, being a captain my senior year at the university of Michigan. Right. And so, you know, it's not one of those things that you think about while you're in it. It's just part of your DNA and part of your fabric that you just, 
you know how to do those things or you've seen people do those things. And a lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of guests that tell you this in business and life and sports. You learn a lot about who you don't want to be or who not to be when you're taking, when you're watching people and trying to learn. And, um, you know, you see that too. Great coaches. You learn from that bad coaches. You learn from that great leaders on the team, same thing, bad leaders on the team. So, um, that is just part of my fabric and part of my DNA that I was fortunate enough to grow up with. And, um, you know, I think that I've been able to translate that into real world skills um, that have been able to benefit me. I owe a lot of that to sports. Yeah, one of the I think one of the best examples I use in business is that sports prepares you, but it also doesn't matter if you're black or white. You yep. come from a rich or poor background. There's all a common goal that you talked about yep. there, and you're willing, uh, willing, and your ability to direct people and help them buy into your your mission, which yep. is now in business, but it was before in winning, yep. is very clear to follow that that road. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's funny playing center for, you know, I won't get too into the weeds on football, but um, I mean, that position is really um, sacrificing yourself for the benefit of others, right? You snap the ball to the quarterback and then protect the quarterback or the running back so that they can go out and make plays happen and, and um, you know, get the ball down the field and take all the accolades too, right? It's getting the whole offensive line on the same page about blocking schemes and, and blitz pickups and things like that. And so, you just, again, it translated very well for me into a role of I'm running these two offices now, which it's not about me. It's about my salespeople and it's about my service team. And if those folks are happy, and we say it Highland all the time, um, you know, we're employee-centric before client-centric because if you're putting your employees first, they'll do right by the clients. They'll like coming to work. They'll work hard on the firm's behalf. They'll make sure our clients uh, are taken care of and people go above and beyond for them. And that's just something that I was fortunate enough to, you know, again, fall into uh, with, with football and then fall into with insurance. And it's, um, I've been fortunate that it's worked out so far. Yeah. What, what are some of the key initiatives that you enjoy most to help make this an employee centric company? You know, culture is a big part of it, right? Being family owned at the size we are is very rare. And, um, you know, putting our communities first, right? What's important to our employees, if it's certain charities, if it's certain outings, association, things like that, that matter to our employees, we want to hear about it. We want to help. Um, you know, I think it goes down all the way to to something as, as small as, um, you know, we have uh, once every few months, we got the cappuccino man that comes in the office, right? And he's going to make cappuccinos for everybody or there's uh you know, we have a, uh, a masseuse come in every once in a while, right? Um, you know, we'll do outings as an office uh, to go to those charities and go to those causes that matter to people, donate our time and our resources to it. The, the Highland family and the organization is very philanthropic. And so when things matter to our people, they matter to us as an office, as, as to an organization. So, um, you know, and, and being understanding, right? I, I think that too often, uh, you know, in business, it's very easy to um, to just put on the blinders and say, you know what, I got a job to do and inconvenient truths or, you know, your feelings on that don't matter. And at the end of the day, it's business and you have to make business decisions that sometimes are tough. But if you're if you're respectable about it, um, if you're transparent about it, that's a big thing, I think, is being transparent with your employees. Um, a lot of times people will handle uh, bad news, as long as they know you're being upfront with them about it, right? I think a lot of times uh, employees get uh, disenfranchised when there's a lack of, of transparency about what's really going on, and it seems cloak and dagger, and, and people are hiding information or whatever. Um, that's something that we don't do. Uh, we're very, you know, I'm an open book. I wear my heart on my sleeve. 
I'm very transparent. And when, when, you know, what you see is what you get and you'll know where you stand with me. And I think people appreciate that, right? Even if it's not the news that they want to hear, there's a respect that comes from that. They know where they stand. They know that they're on an even playing field. And then, you know, hopefully you're being, um, you know, you're being forthright enough and, and forward thinking enough to say, this is where we're going. This is where I want to go or you want to go. And this is the roadmap to get us there. And so working hard, having a plan, having a, you know, a course of action that people can see and buy into, particularly I think for younger generation, right? That advancement or the, uh, the track of advancement is very, very important um, to know, you know, I'm climbing, I'm going somewhere. Um, you know, I'm, I, I see the next checkpoint that I can get to. You know, having those real conversations with people, um, I think that makes a big difference versus just, hey, you have a job, go to your cubicle, I'll, I'll check my corporate box every once in a while when I need to, versus trying to hone in a family atmosphere. Of, there's good times and there's bad times, there's ups and there's downs, and we'll go through them together, and, and hopefully we come out better than we were the day before. Yeah, I like that a lot. You, you mentioned philanthropy, which is obviously where you and I connected yeah. on the yeah. uh, Leaders for Kids uh, Advisory Committee through the Children's Foundation. How important is a philanthropic first organization like yours? How important is it to Highland? And how have you been able to leverage your support and efforts in different philanthropic groups to help build your reputation, to help yeah. build your network? You know, I think everyone would agree that when you're fortunate enough to have success as an organization or an individual, you try to pay, pay it back, right? Or pay it forward, I guess. Um, you know, that, that's a duty and a responsibility that I think is just inherent to human beings. And um, that's just something that has always been around in my life, right? Where we're sports at a high level, where you're giving back to charities, you're giving your time to causes, you know, young kids looking up to you that want to aspire to be in your shoes. Um, that was you at one point, and you can relate to that and say, I need to, to be that way for somebody else. And again, I, I go back to the things I learned from that in leadership, probably the things I learned from that uh, as far as giving back are, are true with, with Highland. I just kind of rolled into that. And that was just part of their DNA and their fabric as well. Um, you know, there are certainly, everyone's got their own story of trials and tribulations, whether it's something they went through or a family you know, member or a loved one, whatever it might be. And so when you're in a position to help and uh, maybe alleviate some of that pain for somebody else, you know, that's just something you do. Also, you know, to be engaged in the community, to do that with community leaders um, like you and I are trying to do for leaders for leaders for kids. Um, that's fun. Right. I mean, I think there's an enjoyment out of that mm -hmm. that everybody gets. Right. And so um, it, it brings you around folks that are uh, like minded, that have some of probably the same goals, some of the same outlooks on life. And yeah, there is that there is also a twinge of in in our world that is relationship based that certainly helps people see you caring about things that they also care about. It's an opportunity to meet um, influential, uh, what I'd say important people that are able to, to um, you know, you can share in that success with, and that's fun. I'm a team guy and that's what makes it fun for me is, is rallying around something together that's bigger than yourself. And um, that's, again, it's just something that's always been inherent in my life partially because of sports, partially because of luck falling into the role I'm in now. Mm. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a it's a part of paying it forward, paying it back, yep. and we enjoy it. Yep. I, I know I do, I know yep. you do, and I think that the organic relationships you build with like-minded people is a value add yep. that you get out of it, out of doing some good in the community. I'd love to ask, uh, you mentioned um, when you were playing football, I'm sure today, 
But you did mention that uh, you know younger kids would look up to you to aspire to be you at some point. When you were young, who did you aspire and look up to and said, you know, this is the kind of person I want to emulate. I want to follow that that specific path, whether it was in sports or in business. Yeah, that's uh, a it's a really good question. So I, I would probably say first and foremost, my dad. Um, I was very close to my father. He passed away when I was 15, but was a guy who, um, you know, when he walked up into a room, he lit the place up, right? Just a big, gregarious, uh, charming, articulate guy who um, pe you could just tell people were drawn to. It was magnetic, right? And that was always somebody that from a, just a – and, you know, I'm kind of a – I always aspired to be like that. I think naturally, you know, maybe nature and nurture, um, you know, I got some of those traits. And so I always knew, you know – uh, you know, cared about the right things, was hardworking, was a good family man, right? And, and obviously your father, you're partial to those things. But that was the probably the individual that I looked up to. But uh, his his good friend uh, was a guy by the name of – is a guy by the name of Rob Chudzinski, who was a longtime college and NFL coach. And, um, you know, I watched that guy have ultra, you know, major success. I watched him work really, really hard for it. Um, I watched um, – a certain intelligence level that the guy had and, and success that he had in coaching. Um, that was really admirable, you know, and then because of my relationship with him, he, you know, we were able to, you know, to be around pro sports as a young kid. And so it wasn't, um, I couldn't give you maybe one in particular because we were living in Cleveland and it seemed like coaches and players funneled in and out of that place because they weren't all that successful. So it was always somebody new every once in a while. I'm from Detroit. I'm familiar yeah, with it. Lions fans understand the same thing. I'm, I'm a proxy Lions fan now just because there's so much uh, Browns fans can relate to. But um, but no, there were a lot of people like that in, in my life. And I would say, you know, uh, a couple other of my dad's friends as well, guys that were successful in business, but, um, you know, kind of had that uh, – that relationship ability, you could tell, that had uh, a certain intellect or savviness about the way they operated and um, were good people at the end of the day, right? They were doing it for the right reasons. And, and, um, and yeah, so I, I would say that. And uh, then there were, you know, like I said, some sports people along the way, but there were, there were plenty of good role models for me to look at as a child. So you're a junior. I'm going to paint a picture for you. You're a junior or going into your senior year at Michigan. Mm -hmm. At some point, you wake up and you realize, I'm maybe not, I'm not going to the pros. Mm -hmm. So at what point do you decide or did you decide, I need to start thinking about business and the next chapter? Yeah. Where were you in college at that moment? Yeah, I mean, it's a good segue from your prior question about having role models and guidance. So um, football was always a means to an end for me. I was good, not great. I mean, I could have bounced around in the NFL for a couple of years, put on a few different helmets and jumped on a podcast like this and been able to brag about it. But I, I had lost a passion for it towards the end of my career because it was, it was a means to an end. It was a way to get a great education for free at, you know, a, an elite school and set up my life. And I saw that in uh, my dad's friends uh, that had, a lot of them had done the same thing, right? We're able to go play college sports and get educations and move on to, to bigger and better things. So I always knew that that was really what was probably going to happen. I was starting to play pretty well my senior year. I didn't know if I was going to come back or not. I was debating um, with Brady Hoke, who was the head coach at the time, whether I was going to or not. And then uh, uh, he gets fired. Jim Harbaugh got hired. And um, I got through uh, winter conditioning and about half a spring ball and realized it was going to take a whole other level of dedication to play for him. That just I didn't have at that point in time. I was start So at that point, I was thinking about work. I was thinking about what I wanted to do. If I would have stayed for my fifth year, um, I wouldn't have been able to get an MBA because I would have left after 
the fall semester to go start training for the NFL for the draft in April and all of that. So didn't really care to play in the NFL, wasn't going to be able to get an NBA, was starting to. So I, so, so I would say probably, you know, the tail end of my junior year, um, I was taking some schools in the business class, got to know, or in the business school, pardon me, um, got to know uh, one of the professors there pretty well who was a mentor to me and started to really look at job offers more seriously, started to network for that purpose, right, started to tell folks my story, what I was interested in. Some of it, honestly, complete cold calls. I remember, you know, calling up a couple guys from NetJets in New York City and getting an interview out there all the way to family friends that said, yeah, let me call someone for you, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I was kind of starting that process probably at the end of my junior year, beginning of senior year. Yeah. What, what were for you some of the best examples of networking for you? I mean, at, at that point, you're still in school. Yeah. You don't really have uh, maybe access to cash, or capital. Yeah. It's not easy to, to network at that level. No, it's not. And, it, you know, fortunately, the one advantage I did have is people wanted to talk to a high profile, you know, uh, football player from the University of Michigan. Right. People will usually pick up your call mm -hmm. if, if, if you want to. And so it's just about knowing the right way to try to get in touch with those folks and share your story and and you know, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. And do you, you know, do you have any advice? Um, you know, asking for a lot of advice I, I found was a good thing, right? Um, I'm going to botch the saying. My one friend always says it, ask for business and you'll get advice, ask for advice and you'll find business. I think I, boy, I'm surprised I got that right. I yeah, thought, yeah, I thought I'd botch it. Sounded pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, just truly being curious, right. Yeah. I think was the biggest thing. Um, and it's one of the things that I've always uh, prided myself on is I'm very curious. I'm always trying to find out how did somebody do this? Why did somebody do this? And, you know, how did they find their way to where they are or whatever they're doing in that moment? So I just, you know, I think I, I just kind of knew the right avenues to go down. I, I think I inherently knew and saw, watched enough of good connectors and good people, persons and how they navigated. Mm -hmm. And I just was able to to, to utilize that to, uh, you know, to try to get opportunities. So similar to the coaches, right? You learn what to do and what and not, what to, not do, to do, yeah. right? You, you yeah. were able to adapt that experience and put it into practice in business. Yeah. Uh, right out of college, you moved right into insurance or were there a couple of the things that you No, had? there was a little hiccup in there for a minute. I went to, um, I went to Chicago. I got a great job. I was making really good money for a kid out of school. Um, went to Chicago and was a financial wholesaler. It was just the wrong place, wrong time. I was working from home, young kid, trying to learn a very complicated industry. Um, and uh, I always knew I wanted to try coaching. Like I had said, a good mentor of mine, uh, my dad's friend, he was a longtime coach, and I grew up admiring that and always thought about that. So I moved back to Toledo, Ohio, where I'm from, and I coached for a season at the University of Toledo and uh, figured out I, I liked this type of stuff too much. I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. Mm. If you're going to coach, you got to give your life away. So, um, yeah, fell into insurance. I was sitting at a Toledo basketball game with a pretty connected guy in Toledo. And he said, you're not going to coach forever, are you? I said, no, probably not. And uh, he goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know, something in business, maybe something in the financial services world. And he said, well, I know the Highland family's hiring some young guys right now. You might be great over there. You want me to connect you? And I said, yeah, sure. Had a couple interviews, a couple meetings. It just felt right in my gut. And, you know, let me think. That was six and a half years ago now. Yeah, right so, place, right time. Yeah, right place, right, right time. Attitude, asking the right questions. Asking the right questions. Being yep. curious. Yep, exactly. And most importantly, it sounded like you were open. Yeah. You were open to the opportunity. Yep, absolutely. So 
Yeah, there was a little stint in uh, finance, a little stint in coaching, and uh, and then it's been all insurance ever since. And then I still do, so on the side, I'm, I'm on the radio broadcast network for Michigan football. So I was doing for Toledo football uh, for a few years after I was done coaching. I was the color commentator for the University of Toledo football, and always in the back of my mind, you talk about connections, mm-hmm. I'll share this story. I was at Toledo. They asked me to do that on the radio network. I said, sure, that'd be great, fun, fun way for me to stay around the game. Uh, you know, it's not like coaching where you're just, you know, giving your life away to do it. I get to show up, call the game, sit on my ivory tower, judge everybody else. And then I go home when lose your draw, right? Yeah. Great. Sounds good. But in my head doing that for Toledo, I always knew if I could do that for Michigan that I would, uh, I mean, that's why I wanted to do it. So I did it for Toledo for three years. And then, uh, I guess two seasons ago, um, was the last year for Jim Brandstatter and Doug Deardorff. So they had a big shakeup there. Doug Karsh and John Jansen got the jobs in the booth. You want to talk about, you know, trying to connect and network. Mm -hmm. I picked up the phone and probably called everybody I knew within Michigan football or the Michigan Athletic Department that had a say or knew who was going to have a say and who the new team for Michigan football was going to be, who the new, you know, broadcast team was going to be. And, uh, I mean, when I say I called everybody, I, I mean, I probably annoyed a few people. I like to say, what, what is it, professionally persistent? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I had no shame. I said, look, I, I'm doing this for Toledo. I think I'm good at this. I'd love to do this for my alma mater. And um, I'm throwing my hat in the ring for whatever role you need me for. And Doug Karsh and John Jansen are up in the booth now as the play-by-play and color commentator. And they brought me on to do uh, the pregame, halftime, and postgame show with them. So if, uh, if you listen to the Michigan games, you don't hear me during the game, but you hear me before halftime and after kind of analyzing what, uh, what's going on out there. So part of that broadcast too on the side, which is a really fun job for me. And, and that is a job or that's a passion? Nope. That's a job. I, I mean, it's not like it pays a lot of bills, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's a fun way to stay around the game. I'm at every game home and away travel with the team. You know, I kind of get my fix. I'm around it. I'm up close and personal to it. Um, but I can uh, pursue what's been a great career for me with Highland. And, it, you know, it's about relationships, right? So, um, you know, the Highland family and the executive team loves that I do this. It's, it's a fun, uh, you know, side job for me. But it's also great for, for Highland, right, and for, for me and trying to grow this, um, this uh, market for us uh, to be close to Michigan athletics in that way uh, is certainly a benefit as well. So, it goes hand in hand. It works nicely together. Yeah. Let me make a couple observations. So <laughs> you were willing to put in three years of the reps yeah, before you actually, pr- that opportunity opened up. Yeah. And I didn't know that it would ever really open. Right. I mean, I, you know, if, if Jim and Doug would have stayed on, they, you know, I don't, I don't know how much longer they would have. I mean, I knew they were probably getting close to retirement, but there was no, I mean, I think they announced they were going to tire going to retire right before the season, not this past season, because this last year, 2022 is my first season. So 2021 was theirs. And I think they announced it a week or so before the season started. So, yeah, there was no guarantees that it was ever going to happen. Mm, but um, you had your eyes on it. I had my eyes on it. And I liked doing it for Toledo. I had a yeah. great experience with it. It was fun. But in the back of my head, I always said that, you know, I want to get back to my alma mater if I can. And then the second thing you did is you picked up the phone and called (laughs) everyone you knew in order to demonstrate how serious you were about the opportunity that you wanted. You weren't just kind of waiting for them to 
Oh, hey, maybe you should call Jack Miller. No, Jack picked up the phone. Yeah, I, I said, I go, I'm not going to not get this job because nobody, because somebody didn't know. Mm-hmm. That was not, I'm, it just, it wasn't, that was not going to happen. It, if they were going to tell me no, it was because they didn't like me or didn't have room for me. It wasn't going to be because they didn't know I was interested. Yeah, I, and I think that people on the other line appreciate the persistence. That's what lets them know that you're serious. Yeah. The other, like, value add and benefit, sure, it's great for Highland. Sure, it's great for maybe potential business. But you could also be finding and developing relationships with the next Jack Millers. Yeah. Yep, that's true. There's a lot of – it opens up – I mean, how I got to where I am now with sports. And so I think I'd be foolish to not continue to capitalize on that, given the opportunities that I do, given the network that I have. Um, It's a – you know, sports and – you know, I'm sure there's some Sparties out there listening to this that might not agree with me, but the University of Michigan, you know, it's a special place. And I and I think that there's a lot of special relationships and people that come along the way. Um, I mean, my best friends in the world are from there, right? And that'll never change. And I'm sure I'll continue to develop great relationships. Maybe they're professional one day. Maybe they're just personal. But I'm a better person for having tried to do that, I think. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think uh, your willingness and understanding that, you already have this network. You already have this interest. How do we further develop it, further grow from it? Right. I think that that's been a tremendous part of your success so far. Tell me uh, what the next five years look like. I mean, you're the market president of Michigan, you're arguably the the top of the company at this level and in the state for sure. Uh, where do you see yourself uh, developing? Yeah, I got a lot of work to do here. We've had great success in Southeast Michigan between our Detroit and Ann Arbor offices. But I think it's time to take that to another level. Like I said earlier, we're in a, uh, a, a growth mode right now uh, that we have not put an emphasis on before. So I've been in this role a little over a year and a half, and I got a lot of work to do to, to make that happen. I got to, again, hire the right team. I got to get the right folks engaged and involved. I got to continue to uh, replicate a tremendous culture that I came from in Toledo when I was with the firm before I moved up here. Um, and that I think will propel us to success. I don't really have a crystal ball on how it all works out. Um, what's the old expression? You know, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Mm. Is that it? Yeah. The days are long, but the years are short. And that's kind of how I think this goes, right? Is just, you take it day by day. Um, a big part of, of leadership, at least in my experience has been problem solving and, and solving problems for others and making their lives easier, making their day-to-day better, making it more efficient, making, you know, working smarter, not harder, trying to find better ways to do things. Um, You know, if I go, if I wake up every day with that mindset that I'm out to help my team and I'm out to clear their hurdles and their roadblocks, then we'll get where we need to go. And I don't know what that, you know, what that checkpoint is, if it's a number, if it's a, you know, the end of this year, whatever that might be. Um, I'm just kind of in that mode now, right, where I'm just going to wake up every day and try to go to bat for my team and make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm putting my best foot forward to, to give these, uh, my employees, uh, the vision and the support and the roadmap they need to find their own success. Because if they see that, if they all individually see their success or more of it, uh, then the collective group does better as a whole as well. I would like to touch on how you build, uh, external relationships with centers of influences and referral partners. Sure. I think insurance is such an integral part of businesses and growth, uh, you have the legal side, you have the insurance side, you have the financial services mm-hmm. side. How have you been able to navigate developing relationships with people that 
you know you want to have relationships with for 20 years, yeah. right? So it's external. You mentioned some of the philanthropic interest. That's one great way to do so. Right. Do you have a targeted approach for how you do that with potential centers of influence? Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't. I think, and, and, you know, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. I mean, I think it's an art more than a science. I don't mm. think that there's a silver bullet because if there was, everybody would have it figured out by mm. now. And it's hard, right? It's, it's hard to figure all that out. Um, in my experience, and, and albeit limited, uh, I think that, you know, you, you pick a few people that you really connect with, that you really trust, that you know they're going to do their part for you and you want to do your part for them. And, and I think you lead with that first, right? How can I help you? It goes back to, you know, how I try to approach taking care of the office or taking care of employees is, um, you know, how am I helping you? What can I do for you? It's a challenge in insurance, I will say. I make the joke all the time that shit rolls downhill and, and insurance is at the bottom of that hill, meaning relationships to your point, whether it be legal, whether it be your accounting team, um, you know, your financial team or, or you know, financial arm, um, those tend to get, rightfully so, more attention than insurance sometimes because, you know, insurance, you know, if it's commercial insurance, you hope you never use it. And if it's employee benefits, um, you know, everyone's using it all the time. It becomes very mundane. So, um, but if your accountant is telling you, hey, you should consider talking to this guy who does insurance or uh, your lawyer is telling you that, you're probably more inclined to listen than your insurance guy saying, hey, who's doing your 401k? Let me, you know, or, hey, can I connect you with a wealth manager for your own personal wealth, right? That's a little bit of a harder uh, jump uh, sometimes. And so I don't, sometimes I don't think there's enough, we don't in insurance have enough um, leverage to, to push things to other people as much as we would like, um, unless you're really good with, with individuals. So it's not necessarily the firm. It's you and I, Derek, and I say, hey, there's a, there's a guy I'd really like you to meet, you know, and so it becomes more about, uh, let's make that personal connection than it does about trying to sell something off the bat, right? Or trying to sell a service or a product. Um, insurance, everyone knows a bunch of insurance people. There's a bunch of us out there. There's a bunch of good people out there doing it. They're all relationship-driven people, most of them. Um, and I'm sure they all do, the majority of them do fine work. So what's going to be the difference? It's probably not going to be the name, you know, at the office. It's probably not going to be, it's probably not even going to be the insurance company that we represent as a broker. It's more about you and I having that relationship where you go, that's my guy, right? That's my, that's the person that I trust at the end of the day to, to take care of me and make sure that if something goes wrong, that we get it, that we get it right. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you, you gotta be a little bit picky and selective with yeah. who you let into that world. Yeah. And then these things don't happen in one day or no. overnight. It's no. sometimes in your space, especially in mine, two, three, oh, yeah. sometimes five years uh, I have a funny story where, you know, it was 20 years before somebody called me and sent me a piece of business, right. but they saw something on LinkedIn and it, it, it triggered them to call me because yep. they had trust. Uh, but also you also, um, you said that they reciprocate, right? That somebody that does it professionally, they have a genuine interest in your success yeah. along with theirs. And I think that that, um, that is like the top key in terms of building relationships with centers of influence, right. people that matter. Yep. Absolutely. All good stuff. Why don't we close it out? asking you a bit of advice, you know, there's somebody that is either watching or listening to this program. They're thinking, you know, someday I want to be a market president of a big insurance company. Yeah. You know, I think the number one thing that I was able to uh, take advantage of 
was being curious. I always was watching people that I respected or looked up to and how they interacted with others, how they maneuvered the world, how they took on information and deciphered it and then made you know, action about it, right? I, I was always drawn to leaders and I was watching them and trying to figure out um, whether it was right or wrong, right? Because like we talked about earlier, you can learn a lot from, hey, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to operate like that. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, but it was being curious. It was being curious to watch and to try to observe. And, and um, you know, I, I think, you know, part of being on a team, part of trying to lead a team is, is that transparency that we discussed, is that openness to criticism and to critique and to have, um, you know, to have dialogue with one another that is um, true and it's respectful, but it's, 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 it's real, right. To not sugarcoat things and, and to be able to kind of have that, that, um, that ability to tell people what they need to hear, but maybe how they want to hear it. Right. And, and so, but that all comes from, from watching and learning, I think, and, and trying to figure out, you know, take somebody, you know, if, I, if somebody's listening to this and I take somebody in your life that you respect, that is in a position that you respect and learn and watch it. There's no substitute for experience, right? And there's and I don't think that there's um, a magic formula for exactly what leadership looks like or how it needs to be conveyed or how it actually works. Um, but there's something when someone has it that you naturally can just detect, like uh, there's something about them, right? And you know, you pick up on what those are. They're probably different for different individuals and, and, and try to emulate them in your own life. And I think I, I was able to do that with some really good role models in my life, um, you know, that, that put me in a position to hopefully be an effective leader today. Yeah, that's great advice. Be yeah. curious, be open, watch what they do, respond, but more importantly, take action, right? Yeah. Like how you picked up the phone and called everyone you knew because that's what you wanted. And I think that that is a uh, a very good un understanding of who you are as a person. It's somebody that's going to go out there and go out and attack and get what you want because you believe in it and you're passionate about it and you know you'll do a great job with it. Yeah, you got to have the confidence to do it too, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. And confidence comes with repetition. Confidence comes with experience. It comes with, you know, trying to uh, – with, with trying, right, and failing sometimes and, and succeeding sometimes. And, you know, the back to the sports thing. Boy, am I lucky that I learned that lesson a lot as a kid, particularly in a game of football where you physically are sometimes getting your ass kicked, right? And then sometimes you're kicking somebody's ass. And so just, but knowing that, right, and those reps and winning and losing and failing and suffering the, the consequences of failure and the rewards of success, you do that enough times, you figure out what you want and how to go get it. And, uh, but that comes with a lot of work and, a lot, and, and that confidence that comes built from that. I appreciate that. Yep. Jack, this has been great. Awesome. This Thanks, good conversation. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do it again yes, sometime. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, thank you. So let's complete another episode of the Power Connector podcast with Jack Miller, market president of Highland, an 85-year-old, family-owned, full-service insurance firm based in Ohio. Joining us today it was a great conversation. Learned a lot. Great uh, experience. And uh, wish you all the best on the next uh, 12 months. Thank you. Thanks for all you do, Derek. Appreciate and it. go blue. Go blue. That's right. <laughs> I will end it there. Thank you.